0: if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Only a few days left in the month here in January. Can you believe almost done with the first month of this year. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, when you were a teenager, when you had one of those moments with your mom or maybe your dad where they wouldn't let you do something you wanted to do, or maybe they were asking you, they made you do something you didn't really want to do, when that happened— when maybe you tried to put up a little resistance there or you asked that question that all kids ask again and again, well, why? Why won't you let me do the thing I want to do? Or why do you want me to do this? What was their response? At certain times, did you hear that reply, because I said so, or something along those lines? And then did you find yourself in that moment saying to yourself, and if I have kids, I will never say that to them. But then you fast forward several years, you do have children of your own, and you tell your child to do something, and then they question the reasons that you have for asking them to do that. They ask that, why? And you hear yourself responding, because I said so. You need to do it because I said so. And somewhere deep inside of you, you just cringe, you grimace at the fact that you said those same words that you never wanted to say to your children. Oh, I sound just like my mom, or I sound just like my dad. However, as a parent, as an adult, with many more years of life experience, years of knowledge, more than your child, sometimes you might tell your son or your daughter to do something that is for their benefit, even if they don't see it in the moment. And right then, it might not be the time or the place to go into all those explanations, all your reasons behind what you're asking them to do. You can explain your reasons later, but right now, you just need them simply to obey. You need them to trust you, to just do what you said, and hopefully without, a, without an attitude or any grumbling or complaining. But if you stop to think about their perspective, you'll remember what it was like to be in their place. And if you're like me, you actually do want your child to think before they act. You don't want them to just blindly follow instructions from others. It's a good thing to raise questions, right? To try and understand the why behind what is being asked of them. When I was a teenager attending the Baptist church where I grew up, uh, I remember seeing these bumper stickers that were on some of the cars out in the parking lot there at the church, and they read, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now, if Somebody posted that on their car, and that's coming from a place of trust and knowledge of who God is. If that's expressing a faith that is built upon a prior search for truth, and you've come to that truth, I have no problem with that statement. But most of the people that I knew who adopted this kind of mantra, I would see more often them use this as a way to shut down honest and valid questions or arguments about the faith. Kind of like that parent not wanting to answer the why question from their child. But even more than that, it became a way of them saying, I don't have to consider what you're saying because I've, al- I've already made up my mind. I'm right, you're wrong. It was this kind of stop-you-in-your-tracks, anti-intellectual approach to what they held as their beliefs. Again, if you've wrestled and reasoned through To find your way to the truth, and now you stand firm in your faith, that trust in God, that's a wonderful thing. But if you say something like that bumper sticker, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, and you're not willing to look at any questions or arguments that might call into question what you believe, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because we shouldn't be frightened or scared that someone could dismantle our entire belief with a few insightful or challenging questions. Our faith, if it is indeed true, if what we believe has substance, it should be able to stand up under scrutiny and examination. Today is the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas, a doctor of the Church and someone recognized as one of the most preeminent scholars, theologians, and philosophers throughout the entire history of the Church. He wasn't afraid of those questions that challenged what the Church teaches. In fact, he would often phrase those questions, those challenging questions, more articulately, more eloquently than the people who actually opposed the Church. And then he would rationally and logically show how those challenges didn't stand up to the truth of what we actually believe, what we hold to as Catholics. So today on The Inner Life, we want to look at that example of St. Thomas Aquinas and how both faith and reason, they lead us to the same end result. If we're genuinely seeking truth, we will find it in Jesus himself. And our spiritual director for the hour, Father Michael Hurley, is back with us once again. He's a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Father Michael, welcome back to the inner life. Glad to have you here on, uh, and happy feast day on this feast of St. Thomas Aquinas.
1: <clears throat> Thank you so much. It's delightful to be with you all on this uh, wonderful feast day, as I was saying to uh, Nick before the program. He said, not only this is this is the mandatory <laughs> um, memorial for the Jews, but it's for us as Dominicans. It's a, it's a feast day <laughs> uh, for us, so we, we did the, uh, the Te Deum, which is in our prayer life, uh, kind of the height uh, of praise uh, to God. So this is this is one of the one of the big days of the year for for uh, for us as Dominicans.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, all your fellow uh, Dominican brothers, they're just uh, elated today. Today's, uh... Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> this is a feast of feasts. But, you know, it's kind of like you have family, um, you know, in, in any family you'll have like the big kind of cultural, you know, feast days. That, that But then within your family, there's like a, a birthday or, or something that's uh, particular to you as a family. For us as Dominicans, this is a big family feast for us.
0: Well, as we talk about Saint Thomas Aquinas and what the Church has gained through him, his writings. Uh, to start off, can you just tell us a little about his life? Uh, what we know about him: uh, lived in the 13th century. What? What? Um, where did he start from? How did he end up coming to have this life that so pro- profoundly impacted the Church?
1: Yeah, no, think That's great. Just to give a, a short little biography of it, as so you say, he, kinda, he was a man of his age in terms of it was the burgeoning of the intellectual life in terms of culture, the so-called age of scholasticism or the, the age of universities. So universities simply didn't exist before the 13th century. And with the uh, dawning of centers of study as a cultural phenomena, the church very much saw the need to be there at the heart of this kind of new knowledge and new way of understanding. And uh, in a particular way, it was the origin of the Dominican order. St. Dominic had this vision uh, to bring the gospel to these centers of learning. And St. Thomas is, if you will, one of the the greatest fruits of that era, where he himself was actually, uh, his parents and his family wanted him to be uh, a priest, a brother. He was actually slated to be the abbot. Of uh, the Benedictine monastery of Monte Cassino, so at his very in his youth, he was brought to the monastery and just said, "You, you take care of him, you train him, you form him," because you know because of the political machinations and so forth. The expectation is he'll be abbot one day, and so the Benedictines were like, "Well, here's our future abbot or, or you know our leader, so let's uh, let's give him the best education possible," <laughs> and so he was given a wonderful education. But when it came time for him to pursue his vocation, uh, he wanted to, to um, live a more radically uh, poor lifestyle, and so, at, the, at in, in his own time, the Dominican Order had just been approved, and so, uh, on, uh, to the to the uh, to the great chagrin of his family, he instead of being a Benedictine uh, became a Dominican, one of the the new ragtag group of mendicant preachers, uh, and then from me, from there uh, went on to a, a life connected to university life, so t- preaching but teaching, and especially us uh, kind of integrating works of philosophy, newfound philosophy at the time, into uh, our own faith.
0: Well, and there's this story, even as he is wanting to enter this life, um, I've heard this several times where yeah. his family doesn't want him to become a Dominican. They end up kidnapping him at some point where I, I think he's just getting a drink of water and they end yeah. up kidnapping him and holding him prisoner for a year or so and yes. even at one point um, his his family tries to say hey we're we're just going to get you out of this crazy idea of joining these dominicans and they lock him in a room with a prostitute
1: yes yeah so he's he's in there the, the tower exists today in Rokasek. it's a little tie like turret tower and his brother and you have to distinguish between his family uh it's basically his older brothers who were in the uh, army of frederick uh the second great barbarossa big red beard you know they they were a little more uh <laughs> kind of as older brothers are one to be uh, kind of like keep keeping the younger brother in line so to speak but they they basically lock him up in a in a tower and they think that just by that isolation they are going to you know basically bend his will to their will uh, but he actually uses the time very well. He uses the time, frankly, to memorize all of Scripture. <laughs> he he has Scripture down by heart, and we know this because there'll be moments in his writings where he'll, he'll quote the Bible, but the reference, in the way they reference the Bible, will just be a little bit off, a verse off or two. So you know he's just doing it right off the top of his head. So anyway, he uses the time well in terms of prayer, in terms of memorizing the Scripture, and they get so fed up, they think, well, what, how can they're kind of down to their last you know, kind of stratagems, and so they say, how can how can we basically tempt him or, or lead him astray from his plan to join the Dominicans? Uh, and so they send a, they send a prostitute in order to try to tempt him or beguile him. And as you probably and our, our listeners may know this story, he responds uh, very forcefully by taking uh, a, a kind of a, a burning log or a, a burning stick out of the fire, a little fire there, and ch- chasing her out of the room and. And, and searing the the, 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 um, the embers of, of the fire into the door as, as, as a kind of uh, a protestation of, of their action. And from this, as he falls asleep that night, he has an, a vision of angels uh, that come and uh, place a cincture around his waist. And he is given uh, the great grace of purity of mind and heart. And so he's never again, as the tradition said, tempted in that way. And for this reason, we as Dominicans, I have a great spirituality to St. Thomas around purity of mind and heart. There's actually a confraternity, a, a, a group, a, a holy group that is that anyone can enroll in, and especially in these days where um, uh, temptations of sexuality, pornography, uh, and, and other things are so rampant in our society. the angelic warfare that's what's called the, the confraternity is a great spiritual resources that that many many thousands of people that have have taken great spiritual benefit from so i would i would it just it's a little bit of a tangent here but anyone who is struggling around matters of purity of mind and heart i w- would very strongly recommend that you investigate the angelic warfare confraternity it's it's sponsored by a dominican every dominican province will have a Someone who's a director of that confraternity, and the different prayers and the support you get within that holy association uh, comes from the story and comes from St. Thomas himself.
0: Mm. In fact, uh, Nick is going to post on our Twitter feed um, where you can go ahead and access that as well. He'll put it there Great. if you go and look for the... Uh, podcast on our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. He'll have a link there as well. Um, And I remember uh, I heard about this, I don't know, several years ago, and just looked it up, just curious what it was. And uh, kind of in that same way, you talked about the cincture that St. Thomas had. Um, If I remember correctly, that... Every member then has kind of a cord that they wear around their waist yep. as that symbol of purity. And I think you, you yep. end up having a few other things that kind of come in a care package for you, some prayers, some different things that you can use, right?
1: That's right. And in fact, it, it involves, if, uh, if you kind of go through the, 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 the kind of the blessing, uh, having, uh, as a pastor, I will, will do this very often, where folks will come and have a blessing of the cincture and just a little bit of a uh, ritual or liturgical moment of being invested by that it's it's similar folks are familiar with uh the scapular that that different orders uh will will give franciscans and others the brown scapular or the or for us as dominicans the little white scapular uh kind of investment uh moments where you are invested with that particular sacramental for a particular um grace or uh, openness to god's presence so yeah there's a little care if you, if you sign up you can get a little care package and then you can Either come to it, it doesn't have to be a Dominican, but it's most appropriate to have a Dominican both bless and enroll you in uh, that confraternity.
0: Again, that's the Angelic Warfare Confraternity. We'll have a link posted on our Twitter feed, and uh, you can find that uh, also on the podcast later when it's posted after the show uh, concludes here this afternoon. Um, Father, one of the other things you were talking about that St. Thomas Aquinas spent a lot of time being educated, uh, that universities were just a very brand new concept and, you know, just just there on the scene in his lifetime hadn't existed in the same way before. And one of his teachers was Albertus Magnus, known as St. Albert the Great. And one of the things that I, I remember reading about there is when the rest of Thomas's fellow students they didn't hear him speak very often. He was pretty quiet. And so the rest of his class just thought, he must not be as smart, he must be a bit slow. And St. Albert ended up then responding to all of his classmates saying, you call him the dumb ox, referring to St. Thomas, but in his teaching, he will one day produce such a bellowing that it will be heard throughout the world. And here we are. You know, hundreds of years later, talking about Saint Thomas and what he has given us. Can you talk about how his teaching really has transformed the world? That bellowing that's heard throughout the world. How he he really helped to refine and clarify so much of the church's teaching.
1: Absolutely, yes. I mean, I mean, the first thing to say is that that his intellectual gifts were, were certainly God given but that the Lord gave him uh, certainly unique ability uh, to be able to think about, reflect, uh, and articulate the faith, but he he developed that. It, 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 in some sense, uh, there's no gift that God gives us that simply is kind of automatic, right? So he had to himself uh, put his whole heart, mind, and soul into the in- academic endeavor towards study uh, and teaching, and he did it, and this is, I think, the heartbeat of what he did was not for uh, his own sake of um, you know being famous or <laughs> or you know be, being hired by a particular university or something, but he did it uh, for the sake of the preaching of the gospel. This is that he was thoroughly a Dominican, and as Dominicans are, our mandate is given by the by the Pope. We're not we're not the Order of Saint Dominic. We're the Order of Preachers. We're we're sent by the Pope to preach for the salvation of souls. And so there's a, a real fittingness that his intellectual pursuits. We're not just in some ivory tower you know you thinking like you know just kind of like writing a, for kind of a, his own benefit or his his own pleasure but he's he's all of his writing his teaching his preaching is towards salvation to better love god we have to know god in order to know god we've got to open our minds to discover in that sense of what great wonder of who god is in creation in scripture and revelation Uh, And then in um, the aspects of our various aspects of our lives and experience. And so I think the perennial nature of St. Thomas comes from that sense of he's not uh, trying to pursue uh, knowledge about God, but he's seeking God himself. (laughs) He's seeking to know the one true God. And this is, after all, what St. John says eternal life is to know the one true God and the one whom he has sent. And so all of his academic, intellectual endeavor is towards knowing not about God, but knowing God (laughs) and loving Him. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, let's pick up on that coming up here in just a moment on how if we're going to love God, we have to know God. If we're going to know God, we have to open up our mind, our heart, to be able to seek after, to, to have that knowledge of God. We have to engage our minds. Uh, Let's also open up the phone lines here. 888-914-9149 is the number you can call in and talk with our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest here on this, the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas. And how has St. Thomas Aquinas impacted your understanding of the faith? How has growing in knowledge, spending time studying and learning, how has this helped to strengthen your faith so that your reason and your faith uh, go hand in hand? Maybe you've run into questions or ideas that really do challenge you, and you're not sure how to respond to those, and you're still on that journey, seeking, trying to know God so you can love God. Again, you can call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, email address innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today's programming is brought to you by St. Gregory Recovery Center in Iowa. More information about their faith-centered addiction treatment is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. Inner life. And today we're talking on this memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas about how St. Thomas has impacted the church and uh, the ways that he has helped us to know God better, to understand what the church teaches better. And we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic Parish in San Francisco, and welcoming your phone calls at 888 914 9149, 888 914 9149. Father, before the break, you talked about um, if we want to love God, we have to know God. If we want to know God, we have to open up our minds to be willing to learn about him. I, I, I mentioned in the opening of the show that I had encountered people who really were kind of closed off to any sort of uh, intellectual questioning of the faith. And there's this portion in C.S. Lewis's book, A Mere Christianity, He writes about, he's writing about virtues at this point, but kind of goes to the same point that um, he says that there's this misunderstanding about the virtues, that if you're simply a good person, it doesn't matter if you're a fool. But then he clarifies it, and this is a quote from him. He says, it is, of course, quite true that God will not love you any less or have any less use for you if you happen to have been born with a very second-rate brain. He has room for people with very little sense, but he wants everybody to use what sense they have. And then this next line, this is what really stood out to me when I read this book when I was a teenager. Uh, Lewis says, God is no fonder of intellectual slackers than of any other slackers. Uh Uh-huh, I know. (laughs) He says, if you're thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embarking on something which is going to take the whole of you, brains and all. And I love that. I, I... because that kind of anti-intellectual attitude that I ran into in the Protestant world, I know that can find a way here into the Catholic Church as well, but sure. I think there's such a rich tr- tradition of study, of education throughout Christian history uh, that the Catholic Church really stands above almost any other religious body as demanding quite a bit of each believer from that intellectual standpoint, e- even to the point that... On my way into the Catholic Church, at other Protestant churches where I had been a member before coming into the Catholic Church, you might have an afternoon meeting where you'd spend you know an hour, two hours, three hours, kind of reviewing what that church believes. It's, you know, here are the doctrines that we hold to. But to become a Catholic, you have to spend months and months attending RCIA classes before coming into the church. So even in just the laity, there's this emphasis on... We really need to spend some time making sure that you understand and know what you're talking about that this is not something you take lightly
1: absolutely it's It's one of the wonderful things about our faith is that I think in class you say it on different perhaps christian religions or 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 frankly just what our culture just enlarge thinks that faith is just a matter of our feelings or some kind of authority. That we say, oh, here's all the rules and regulations of this kind of group. You're Catholic if you do X, Y, and Z, or or you're you're a follower of Christ if you follow these rules. Um, but but in point of fact, uh, our faith and our reason are, if you will, connected, compatible, and uh, feed each other in the sense that faith is not merely a feeling, but it's an insight into knowledge we would have no access to except God tells us. Themselves, but armed with that and the great mysteries that go beyond our reason, we can then use our reason to further investigate, reflect, contemplate, and draw conclusions from that mystery. I, I put it this way: you know, some of the most popular, even these days, uh, films and books are all about mystery, like the Who Done It, right? You look at the, the top television shows or the top books read. It, it, we have as as a, as human beings a thirst for mystery right and if our faith is about discovering mysteries we have a thirst for discovering the mystery of who god is as our creator and who we are created in god's image and likeness and that employs and necessitates us to the use the full use of our mind our reason our ability to know and and so just as there's a a kind of delight that we take even recreationally in getting into a good mystery. Our whole life, hopefully, is um, empowered by a sense of wonder to discover the great mystery of who God is and who we are in a very particular way called to be to find the reason why we exist, why God created me.
0: Well, so let's let's kind of go from that place that if I am someone who I feel very strong in my faith, and, and, you know, I am using that feelings idea that you just mentioned, you know, but, yeah. but we don't want to be just to where that's the only side of how we believe and, you know, informing our belief. Um, but I do find myself encountering people who raise very challenging questions, and I don't find myself able to respond very articulately, um, I find it difficult to recall in the moment there, something I may have read months, even years ago, and, oh, I do remember there is some response to that. And so I, I might find myself kind of hemming and hawing, kind of dancing around, not sure how to respond when I'm put on the spot by somebody who raises a question. And this kind of goes back to St. Peter, where he talks about, and this is you know the foundation of apologetics, Uh, from a Christian standpoint, that we want to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have through Christ. Uh, Is this something where, uh, you know, I can't just simply find the answers for myself? I have to be constantly reminding myself and, and focusing on how can I communicate this better so I can be a witness and I can present in a very... Uh, not just passionate, but attractive way, what the Church believes and therefore make Christ himself attractive?
1: Absolutely. In fact, in my own vocation story, I, I, part of, I think, God calling me was to put me in positions where people would ask me about my own Catholic faith, and I had no idea. <laughs> I, I went to a, non, uh, a non-Catholic Christian high school, coming from a Catholic family. I was asked all sorts of questions about the faith, and I was like, I really got no idea, but it was the recognition that there was at least a, um, an answer out there or at least a way that the church had thought for 2,000 years uh, that was going to have tradition and truth behind it. That it's there to be found and discovered, and so I. Whenever I guess there's two ways to go, and whenever you're approached with an something about the faith that you can't quite answer, you can be daunted by that. You can you can be challenged by it, but you can also say, "Hey, let's let's figure this out together." Like there's there's the church has has been thinking. There's people and a tradition that have been thinking about this a lot longer than I have. Let's go. Let's go discover it (laughs) together. Let's go discover it. So when even as a priest. You. you This might. I'm not shocking anyone here. People ask me. I'm like, you know what? I don't really know the answer to that. Or I. I, I'd like to think more deeply about it. Let's. Let's dig in. (laughs) Let's figure it out. Right. (laughs) Let's go for it. So there's. I'll put it this way. Our Catholic faith is not simply about answers. Certainly, we have a whole catechism (laughs) that gives us and proposes through divine revelation uh, a roadmap towards not only life on this earth but eternal life. At the same time, the point isn't to produce a kind of answer guide, but really to enkindle a sense of wonder that, pursues us and impels us and propels us into the heart of the mystery of God, which we will spend all of our eternal life getting to know. Going to heaven doesn't mean we'll know everything, comprehend everything. It's just the beginning of the eternal now of falling more deeply in knowledge and in love of God. And so what we begin here continues for, for all eternity. <laughs> so it's, it's not as if we'll, it's just a matter of getting an answer, but it's about pursuing the truth. Um, and mm-hmm. that's always relational.
0: Well, and, you know, our executive director here at Relevant Radio, Father Rocky, um, I've heard him say a number of times, you know, the Bible, or Christ, or, you know, uh, in the Old Testament, the prophets, God himself speaking through the prophets, never said, thou shalt be right, or thou shalt win an argument. (laughs) He says (laughs) you should love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So, you know, when you are responding... You want to yeah. respond in love. It's not just simply about, well, I have all the answers for you, and here's, yeah, let me, let me show you how smart I am or point out where you're wrong. No, let me introduce you to this person, Jesus, and let me show you how he can transform you. And I want to do this because he loves me infinitely, and I've never had anything better happen in my life, and I want that for you too because I want the best for you. That's
1: loving your neighbor. Absolutely, and not being afraid of, of the questions. I remember uh, I went to a, a college, uh, a Catholic college called actually Thomas Aquinas College, a small little liberal arts uh, great books program in Southern California, and it introduced me to the works of Saint Thomas Aquinas. And uh, there, you you don't study uh, textbooks or have professors or anything like that. It's a it's a discussion method, <laughs> tutorial style class with the same you know for my in my instance twelve people <laughs> day in and day out, and I remember turning the first page of the Summa Theologiae, the the, the great uh, summary of theology that Thomas Aquinas uh, wrote. And on the very first pages, he asks a question. In fact, that's how he proceeds, by way of question. And he asks us the question, does God exist? And I remember when I read that, I thought, well, (laughs) it's going to be a short book if if the answer to this is no. But (laughs) the point is that that's where he starts. He asks, like, the most fundamental question and he begins, and this is so funny. I I I, I still remember the kind of, um, uh, out of shock or or just like a bef- bit of befuddlement. He he begins by saying, "It seems like God doesn't exist," and then he gives some of the most powerful arguments for atheism that have ever been written. <laughs> and you're like, "What?" <laughs> I thought this was a book about theology and a book about you know discovering God. We're starting with the question, "Does God exist?" and here are some really good reasons why it seems like God doesn't exist, the the presence of evil and things like that. And I thought, wow, if you're not afraid to embrace (laughs) the biggest questions and, in fact, even the best arguments against the faith, uh, to begin with, wow, how how freeing that is. There's nothing off-limits. There's nothing that's, you know, too precious uh, (laughs) to to, to not consider, so to speak. Uh, And that was very invigorating for me to to know that we can— fully engage our mind, and fully be, if you will, in the best sense, critical of even things that we assume to be true, and that our reason is not going to lead us astray, that with faith and and the sense of right reason, we're always going to be led back to that loving God, that God of great mystery and that great of wonder.
0: Talking with Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest here on this memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas. And how has St. Thomas inspired you in your faith? How has uh, spending that time learning about the faith, spending that time studying research, growing in knowledge. How has this helped to strengthen your faith, that that cooperative uh, pair of faith and reason? Or maybe, uh, like Father was saying, sometimes you run into those questions that really challenge you, and you're not sure how to respond. You can call in right now, 888-914-9149, 914 9149 As you're talking about St. Thomas and the Summa Theologica, um, and I've heard it, Theologica and Theologiae. Theologiae. and yeah, is, exactly. is there, either way. Yeah. It's either way, okay, because I've seen yeah, it written yeah. both ways. Uh, well, first of all, it's a massive work. It's, it's enormous. Yeah. I've usually seen it in three or four volume sets, um, you know, in actual book form. Um, I should also mention there's a free... Uh, you, can, you can access it online freely just at Aquinas.cc online. The entire, you know, all the questions. It's written side by side in Latin as well as English that you can pull up there. So again, that's just Aquinas.cc, and uh, you can find it there. But um, it's not exactly bedtime reading, and uh, <laughs> my understanding of this is that St. Thomas actually didn't ever finish it. He was writing it kind of up to the end of his life. So potentially there was even more that he was going to plan to include in it. But I mean, it, it seems to cover almost anything and everything. It's hard to imagine something that's not in there that he doesn't cover.
1: No, it's true. And, and he has, just to give a little context, he's, when, he's, when he writes, um, his penmanship is, is uh, famously difficult to read. <laughs> it's so he didn't actually actually write. A lot of things. He actually dictated. He had uh, different scribes, and I, I'll just give this image. Um, you, you know, like uh, master chess players will play multiple chess games at once and, and make a move, and then go to another sure. board and make another move. And that's that's how he wrote. He had several scribes, and he would dictate, if you will, a paragraph or a phrase, and go and do that t- with another work and another. So he was oh, simultaneously writing <laughs> all these works. Some, the, the Summa, he had a Summa for for beginners. That's a, that's how he starts. saying, I want to write something for beginners. And of course, it's, it, it presupposes a philosophical um, background and a kind of almost like a different language. Uh, but once you learn that language, it, it, it is very approachable, uh, relatively speaking. Um, but then he wrote commentaries on the scripture. So there are, we have some of the most beautiful commentaries on scripture uh, that St. Thomas wrote himself. So most people think of it as just, strict theology, but he he wrote all kinds of scripture uh, commentaries. He also uh, wrote beautiful, as as I kind of mentioned at at the break, (laughs) I was listening to the uh, um, uh, mass uh, liturgy, Corpus Christi. He wrote the text for the great prayers of the feast of of Corpus Christi uh, as well. Uh, and then, in terms of his uh, kind of dispute, he has all sorts of kind of um, kind of disputed questions that he would write—a kind of back and forth. He has a whole kind of a treasure trove of, of those as well. So there was, there was—he wasn't. I mean, he was a theologian, he was a philosopher, but he, he really kind of searched for truth wherever he could find it in all sorts of genres. Mm,
0: as you're talking about the way that he was dictating to the different scribes, the different uh, people who were writing, it makes me think of. Uh, that it's towards the end of that movie of Mozart's life, Amadeus. Oh, yes, and where yes, yes, yes. he's he's sick in bed, and he's on he's on yeah. his way to die, and he has Solieri yeah. there at the at the foot of his bed, and yeah. he keeps on just saying, "Okay, first line." And he goes through and gives the notes, and you want this and this and this, and this is going to be for this instrument, and then the next instrument. This is for the strings. You want just this single note, and it just holds yeah. and holds. And Solieri is just in awe as he's, yeah. you know, hearing just no, no, uh, uh, you know, wait, go back and redo this. He already has this music mapped out in his mind. Mozart does, and just the genius, the brilliance yeah. that's there. Uh, it just reminded me of that as you were talking about Saint Thomas there, talking and just dictating. All of this information and how it would be written down by these these different scribes. Um, as you're talking about, yeah, no, that's, a great, the,
1: that's, that's, a, that's a great line. Is he he does the confutatis and he's got the fire of the flames of hell there, and then it and then it, it transitions into the the Volcame, where where the angels are calling, which which in yeah. St Thomas's own life is true. I, I, we, for all the writing he, he does uh, towards the end of his life, he has this kind of mystical moment. It's not quite clear if it. If it's occasioned by a, a kind of um, a stroke or something physiological, but but he he, he absolutely has this this moment of um, I think spiritual kind of clarity or mysticism where he recognizes that all that the Lord has called him to write and be for the church was his way of encountering and and knowing God. So there's this 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 very famous story that that's told that uh, one of the brethren uh, kind of sneaks into the chapel and and hears uh, Thomas conversing with a crucifix and it's a crucifix that that exists today it's actually in orvieto i had the great privilege of being able to to visit the church where it is and and to see that very cross but the cross speaks to you. jesus on the cross speaks and says you have written well of me thomas what do you want right so it's, it's almost like the uh, kind of something out of uh, you know uh, aladdin or something you know the genie in the body like, like hey you could have the whole world what do you want or or solomon you know when, when he but he takes over for his father, where he right. says, you know, Solomon, what do you want? And you're thinking, you know, gosh, if I got, you know, the, the, uh, the, the opportunity to ask uh, and, and to receive anything, your deepest desire, and very famously uh, in Latin, the, the non nisi te domine, Nothing other than you, Lord. I just want you. <laughs> and so that, that full embrace, uh, that he, he was all of his, all of his wonder, all of his intellectual life, all that study, which is essential and necessary is towards that goal of encountering and being with the one whom he was pursuing uh, by faith and reason.
0: Yeah, you know, and that actually reminds me of a couple weeks ago, uh, Sunday Mass, we had that beautiful reading from St. John's Gospel where they're at the wedding feast at Cana. And in St. John's Gospel, those are the only two times that we hear Mary speak. And the first is where she says, they have no wine— so, she's interceding for somebody, which she's doing all the time now for us, and then she ends up giving those final words, do whatever he tells you. Um, you know, great, mm. great, great orders for discipleship <laughs> on our part. Um, but th- this, that response that you talk about, nothing except for you, Lord, that's all I yeah. want. You know, that, yeah. that is another one of those just key moments where, and his words seem to just echo the attitude of so many other saints, that we need nothing we need no reward we need nothing else for any small little pittance of whatever we might do for christ for the church our only desire is to be close to him you know that's um that first foundation in principle for uh, jesuits it doesn't matter whether i'm yeah. healthy or sick or you know all i want is just you god i should only desire to know you and to grow in holiness the the litany of humility you know that yeah. I should I should not desire to be more holy than anyone else. As long as I am holy enough, that's all yeah. I need. Is just enough to be with you, and, and I love that moment from Saint Thomas's life.
1: Yes, no, and it, and it shows that it sometimes uh, even uh, amongst those of us who are more academically inclined, perhaps or, or have a sense of study, we, we, we can think of truth as uh, a kind of um, in non-relational terms. But truth is itself a relation because truth is not simply an idea, but truth is a person. <laughs> it's the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, And so our encounter with the truth is always an encounter with a person And because of that, it transforms us. It doesn't just give us information. (laughs) It gives us, if you will, and allows for transformation of our minds and our hearts. And so this is why today I just go back to John. The Dominicans love John 17, the the great high priest's prayer uh, at the Last Supper, where Jesus gives the definition of eternal life. He says, do you want to know what eternal life is? John records it. The beloved disciple, the one who loves God, he says it's knowledge. He goes, this is eternal life to know. The one true God and the one you sent, Jesus Christ, and so that knowledge of the truth is a relation between ourselves and the community, the the His Body of Christ and Jesus Christ Himself. Mm.
0: Father Michael Hurley is our spiritual director today, a Dominican priest, the pastor of St. Dominic Parish in San Francisco, talking today on the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas about how St. Thomas has helped us as a church to know and love God better, to have that relationship? How has that happened in your life? How has being able to know God better, to be able to spend that time studying and learning, growing in your knowledge, how has that helped to strengthen your faith? And maybe uh, you (laughs) have encountered some of those difficult questions that have come up and you're not sure how to respond to those. And uh, being able to say no, we do have answers. There are people, as Father Michael said earlier, there are people throughout the history of the Church who have thought and uh, just poured over those questions that we might have again and again and again and come up with those answers, even if we don't know what they are. They're out there, those answers that are there to help us to grow in that relationship with Christ. You can call in and join the program, speak with Father Michael at 888-914-9149, 914 9149 More to come after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director Father Michael Hurley, and you can call in and join the program at 888-914-9149 today as we're talking about how uh, on this memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas, his example of knowing God, of intellectually knowing our faith, how that helps us to enter deeper into that relationship with Christ. And you can call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Knowing God better, knowing your faith better, how has that allowed you to enter deeper into that relationship? Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. 914 9149 Father, uh, this being a show about spiritual direction, but we're talking a lot about the intellectual side of our faith, of knowing God, of learning about God. How does that intellectual development uh, of what we know of God, of what we believe uh, as Catholics, how does that then bleed over to help us to have a deeper, a richer prayer life?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I'll go back to the uh, the um, near Christianity you talked about earlier, there, the uh, the C.S. Lewis, where, where it's that sense in which uh, prayer is that conversation with God. It's, it's in a sense, opening our minds and hearts to the reality of the presence of God. But that is um, uh, shaped by or conditioned by our ability to just know what we're experiencing. So much like I said earlier, we can only love to the extent that we know. <laughs> our prayer can only truly be effective to the extent that we have a sense of wonder of of. Uh, intellectual formation, that comes from intellectual formation. And so um, Aquinas would, before he, before Mass, or before and after Mass, Aquinas um, wrote beautiful prayers, <laughs> right, that are theologically rich, that are, if you will, intellect, the fruit of intellectual reflection, but lead deeper into that, if you will, heart connection with God. In other words, we could only love what we know, And so by expanding, if you will, our knowledge and enriching our intellectual uh, capacity, then we increase our capacity to love God and to encounter God. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, One of the other things that I think about, too, is, you know, the more that this has been, you know, stated again and again and again in different research and different studies, and there's a big push usually in most elementary schools here in the U.S., spend time as a parent and read with your child, whether you're reading or they're reading to you. Um, But spending that time in reading because it develops intellect. It helps grow vocabulary. It helps uh, make associations with some of the different sounds that we have in words. It helps for spelling. It's, it helps with grammar so many different things. So if you spend that time reading, it helps that child develop in so many ways. And the more that we read and develop our intellect, even as adults, same thing. We have a richer vocabulary and a richer understanding, which allows us then to say things that might, you know, have been over our heads where we started that faith journey. But now we can have such a deeper appreciation because we have refined and understood to a greater degree what we can say about God and how we can bring that praise, that glory to him when we do pray.
1: Absolutely. And, and here's the thing. I, I think sometimes there's an impediment to studying theology because people think, Oh, all these smart people and things like that. It's, it's, I approach it like learning a new language, right? You know, if, if I set out to, to learn like, you know, French or that I was going to learn Italian or something like that, I, I don't assume that people who speak Italian, you know, it's not an intellect. It's not, it's not an impoverishment of intellectual ability. <laughs> it's just learning the new language takes a kind of formation of mind and heart and speaking and getting getting the sounds out correctly and things like that. Well, that, that's like theology. And knowing about God does demand, if you will, a little bit of learning another language, that language of God <laughs> that the Church has passed down to us. And so it's well worth the effort to learn that kind of language in order that we might better understand the reality. So I'll give the the Eucharist as a wonderful example. The Eucharist is a mystery beyond mysteries, but it's the source and summit of who God is, especially for us sacramentally in this earth, but a foretaste of future glory. And the person who has given us the most deeply devotional insight, uh, the most powerful prayers, is the person who thought most, if you will intellectually about the subject, mm-hmm. so the idea of transubstantiation might seem kind of uh, kind of cold and very technical and just uh, accessible by a few, but if you get behind what's meant by it, the content of that idea, it leads us into the most beautiful prayers that the church continues. To pray when we have adoration and benediction and, and uh, all those beautiful Corpus Christi uh, hymns that we have, it can only be produced that, 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 that beautiful poetry uh, and and content can only be produced by someone who's actually embraced the fullness of the of intellectual life in that way.
0: Father, uh, just a minute left here before the end of the hour, but um, if somebody wants to learn more about St. Thomas Aquinas, do you have a favorite biography that you'd recommend?
1: Oh, sure, yeah. So let me give you uh, three quick things. Um, Joseph Pieper is a very accessible German Thomist, just the introduction to Thomas Aquinas, and he sets a historical setting. Uh, G.K. Chesterton has the dumb you I mentioned that earlier, and and it, there's a little bit of Chesterton himself in there as, as an author, but a very approachable. Second level, would be Ed Fazer has, uh, has, a, has a, a, a new book on uh, kind of the introduction to Aquinas. And then though for those who want to jump into the deep end, there's a Dominican, uh, Terrell, uh, who wrote a two volume uh, series, his personal work, Spiritual master, but those are those. That's kind of the the academic uh, kind of the deep end of academics. But I will mention uh, lastly um, a hagiography. There's an author, a a German um, uh, Louis de Waal, who wrote a series of books on the saints. He's actually a fascinating person himself. But he wrote a book. His very first books was called A Quiet Life. A Quiet Light, and it's a kind of novel, a kind of hagiography, historically, but all about St. Thomas Aquinas. And when I read that, that really opened up St. Thomas, a person for me. That's wonderful. Well, so a Quiet Light.
0: Thank you for those recommendations. And Father, yeah. we've got about 10 seconds left here for a blessing <laughs> for our listeners.
1: And may the Lord bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Father Michael Hurley, thank you so much for being our spiritual director for the hour and uh, just bringing us so much insight into the life and the teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas. Of course, the podcast available at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app shortly here. And of course, stay tuned. Mass is coming up next. We'll see you back here on The Inner Life on Monday. Have a blessed weekend.